MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. Today, the Department of Justice files a receipt of preliminary order in the Nara Lago case. A judge orders Governor Kemp to testify in the Fulton County DA case into election interference. Tony Ornato has retired from the Secret Service. A proud boy is sentenced to four and a half years for his participation in the insurrection. The publisher of 2000 Mules, The Book, has issued a total recall, leaving us wondering why. And one of Tom Barrick's lawyers is pulling out, citing trial schedule conflicts. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hello, everyone. Big news day today, per usual. You can check out in-depth coverage of all the court filings I'm going to discuss today on tomorrow's episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45. We go a little more in-depth than I will today here on The Beans. If you have good news, we're going to get to the good news later. And if you want to submit any good news to us or a business that you're running, you want me to give you a shout out or any Halloween photos or anything, just do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Also, we have a little bit of a shirt problem. Apparently, the printer of the shirts that we put out to raise money for the midterm elections, it's a shirt of, uh, it's called Crimes and Crimes and Crimes, and it's got U18 U.S. Code, Section 371, 1512C2, 1519, 793, and 2071. They're all coming, everyone's ordering different sizes, but everyone's getting a small. We're fixing that problem. Hold off on putting your order in until we can correct this issue. So we're going to fix that issue. And uh, again, apologies for that. But the money still going to a good cause. So thank you. And we're going to send you out the right size. All right. We have a lot of news to get to today. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, Donald Trump's team demanded last week that a judge appoint an official, a special master, to sift through all the material that was seized from his home to find out if it was privileged. The government indicated Monday that his demand, which came nearly two weeks after the search of his Mar-a-Lago estate, is probably too late. The Justice Department told the federal judge its review of the records seized identified only a limited set that might potentially be attorney-client privilege, not executive privilege. And they had a taint team on site. They said, you'll remember in the unsealed affidavit that came out on Friday, we pointed out we had a privilege team, a taint team on site. And besides, we've sent everything over to the Office of Director of National Intelligence to review it and do a risk assessment, a, you know, a, a potential risk assessment. The department indicated in that privilege review conducted by a filter team that was designed to screen that attorney-client privileged information out it had already been done. It's been completed. The review appears to have only sought to isolate any potential attorney-client privilege documents and left unaddressed Trump's claims that some of the documents are covered by executive privilege. The details came in a brief filing prosecutors submitted to District Court Judge Eileen Cannon, who's a Trump appointee and handling the motion Trump filed last week after a so-called special master was requested to oversee the government's handling of these documents. Trump's delay in filing, by the way, he waited two weeks appears to have given the Justice Department time to finish its review already. 
Cannon issued an order Saturday indicating she will be inclined to grant Trump's request for an outside review and instructed the government to give Trump a more detailed list of property taken from Mar-a-Lago. So Trump asked the court to ask the DOJ to stop looking through stuff, but then asked them for a more detailed report of what they took, which would require them to look through stuff. She shouldn't have even had this case in the first place. She failed to address jurisdictional issues in her filing. She had put out a minute order asking Donald to file a supplement saying, hey, uh, you need to tell me why you're here, how you're legally able to be here in this court. And it can be, you know, analogous or, you know, legal reasons for for this, you know, for me to have jurisdiction here. But uh, they, you know, didn't really answer that question and she didn't address it at all. So it's weird. And just now breaking, by the way, Department of Justice filed a motion to exceed the page limit because they intend to file a 40 page response to the original Trump filing. If she shouldn't, I don't know why she broke in this weekend in the middle of this conversation to have this preliminary order done. But, the, you know, the DOJ's thing is due today and it was always due today. And so they're going to file it, but they've asked to be able to file 40 pages instead of the normal 10. They need that much room to respond to all of the stuff in Trump's motion or lawsuit or whatever it is. They, they, they filed this just so ridiculously and with so many errors and didn't ask for injunctive relief. It's just it's bonkers. But they asked for a 40 page. You know, we, we need to exceed the rules here for the page limit. We, we want 40 pages. Trump's side didn't oppose it. And remember, I told you this Trump filing that came two weeks late to request a special master gives the DOJ an opportunity to speak to us through a court filing response. Now, it sounds like they're gonna. They got 40 pages worth. And again, that'll be filed today as you listen to this pod. This uh, pod obviously is recorded Monday night, so we will be reporting on that filing tomorrow morning on The Beans. Also in the news today, the judge overseeing the Atlanta area grand jury investigation into Donald Trump's effort to overturn the election has rejected an effort by Governor Brian Kemp to block a subpoena for his testimony. But... Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney also gave Kemp an election year reprieve, agreeing to delay his testimony until after the election, when Kemp is he's up for re-election and he's facing Stacey Abrams. Quote, the governor is in the midst of a re-election campaign and this criminal grand jury investigation should not be used by the district attorney, the governor's opponent, or the governor himself to influence the outcome of that election. He's not a target. So this is a bullshit order, but whatever. Asked about the order on Kemp, District Attorney Fannie Willis told reporters she was pleased with the investigation's pace and indicated her investigators were about 60 percent done through. We're done with about 60 percent of the attended witnesses we want to call. She also said she intended to send jurors home by the end of the calendar year. So that probably would have been sooner if it weren't for this uh, Kemp delay. Quote, we'll continue to fight to make sure the grand jury and the public gets the truth. I'm very hopeful that by the end of this year, I'll be able to send the grand jury on their way. The grand jury is authorized until May of next year, indicating Willis may wrap up her investigation early. The Kemp order wasn't the only bit of good news for Fonnie Willis. In a separate opinion, McBurney also rejected an effort by Trump allied attorney Kenneth Cheesebro to block his subpoena for testimony. Cheesebro claimed his potential testimony would be entirely barred by attorney-client privilege, as well as New York State's rules around attorney confidentiality. But McBurney noted that, as with many other witnesses, there are plenty of topics that would not be subject to privilege. In related news, Willis's office 
urged a federal court to block a renewed effort by Lindsey Graham to throw out a subpoena for his testimony. Investigators want to question Graham about his late 2020 calls to Raffensperger, where he tried to throw out black votes. Raffensperger and a top aide said Graham appeared to lean on him to alter the process amid an ongoing audit of the results. And the calls came amid Trump's legal and political pressure campaign. Federal District Court judge rejected Graham's initial attempt to quash the entire subpoena. But Graham appealed to the 11th Circuit, which asked the district court judge to conduct additional inquiry. They remanded it back down to the court to say, figure out what he can't testify to under the speech or debate clause. And he filed this thing saying, I can't testify to anything. And Fonnie Willis said, well, that's a total quashal. And we've already had that rejected by the 11th Circuit. We have to figure out now what you can testify to. And a former Washington, D.C. bartender and proud boy who stormed the Capitol on January 6th was sentenced to 55 months in prison on Monday. Josh Pruitt, he's 40, pled guilty in June to obstructing an official proceeding after he was caught on video joining a mob pursuing police officers and smashing a sign inside the Capitol. Two U.S. Capitol Police officers wrote victim impact statements urging the district judge Tim Kelly to give Pruitt a severe sentence. Ultimately, Kelly imposed a sentence that fell a few months short of the five years prosecutors were looking for. Pruitt said he apologized for his actions, that he was not happy that January 6th happened at all, but he said he still held on to his beliefs that Trump actually won the election, which he lost to Joe Biden. Quote, I did believe the election was stolen. I still do, he said, speaking from a lectern farther away from the judge than usual, which was set up for defendants who aren't vaccinated against COVID. I broke the law, bottom line, regardless of whether I'm right or wrong on my feelings, he said. Imagine going to jail for four and a half years for Trump. Robert Lee Jenkins Jr., a court-appointed attorney for Pruitt, said outside the courtroom, there was no convincing Pruitt otherwise. We have had many conversations about it, and Pruitt is firm in his belief, he said. His family, Pruitt's family, was extremely dismayed that Pruitt had gotten himself involved in the insurrection on January 6th. Kelly and Pruitt's own attorney said alcohol played a role in Pruitt's behaviors on January 6th, although a federal prosecutor pointed out that Pruitt's actions at the Capitol would have come about six hours after he said he was drinking Jack Daniels on the morning of January 6th. Pruitt's attorney said Pruitt has an alcohol problem, even if he wasn't willing to admit it himself. Jenkins said the other members of the D.C. Maryland Proud Boys chapter, whose texts were found in Pruitt's phone, should probably lawyer up. They should be concerned that they could be prosecuted. Some of those texts, which were previously released in court documents, included discussion of plans to go to the Capitol on the 6th and storming it, storming the Capitol steps and surrounding the building. Pruitt came close to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on January 6th, sending him and his security team running in the other direction. A member of Schumer's Capitol Police security team wrote about their near meeting with Pruitt in his victim impact statement. Every day I enter the beacon of our country, the U.S. Capitol, I relive the memories of that day, and none are as impactful as the moments I saw Mr. Pruitt approaching us with the intent to inflict harm to the majority leader. It was only due to our team's pre-planning of alternate evacuation procedures and quick actions that this impending meeting did not result in bloodshed or serious bodily injury, unquote. Pruitt told the judge that it was in bad taste for him to throw a wooden sign in the Capitol, but Kelly said it was a lot more than being in bad taste. He said it was extremely troubling Pruitt didn't express regret for his actions in media interviews before he pled guilty. Quote, there was nothing patriotic about what happened that day. Far from it. It was a national disgrace. Now, keep in mind, his four and a half year sentence is for a guy who was not a Proud Boy leader and not charged with seditious conspiracy. And this sets a basement for those 
who are leaders and set to go to trial for seditious conspiracy. And an O'Melveny and Myers partner named Daniel Petrocelli, who has represented former Trump inaugural committee chairman Tom Barrick as the lead counsel since shortly after Barrick's arrest in 2021, is not going to participate in the trial that starts next month due to a scheduling conflict. That's according to his law partner, James Bowman, during a pretrial conference on Monday. Petrocelli, quote, will not be involved in the trial going forward due to other trial obligations, Bowman said. Petrocelli, whose practice is based in California, did not respond to a request for comment Monday. Other trial obligations? This makes no sense to me. What other trial do you have that's more important than for a bazillionaire, a Trump guy? Usually, a lawyer parting ways is because maybe the person decided to flip. The court still hasn't ruled on the motion to sever Grimes from the Barrick case, which made me think Grimes was going to flip. Though his lawyer said it was because he didn't want Tom Barrick's crimes to spill over and make Grimes look bad because Grimes wasn't charged with as much as uh, Barrick was charged. But now his head counsel is leaving. Something is weird. I don't know. Maybe he does have some other really important trial and thinks the other guy can handle it by himself. Maybe he doesn't want to lose a case, have that on his track record, and this is a, a loser of a case. I, I have no idea. But all they're saying is that he has a conflicting trial it's a scheduling conflict to so the lead defense counsel. Excuse me if I called him a prosecutor before. Lead defense counsel is leaving. Jury selection is expected to start September 19th. It's a few weeks away, uh, which involves allegations, as we know, that Tom Barrick and his former employee, Matthew Grimes, acted as agents of the UAE without notifying the attorney general during former President Trump's term in office. But it's not just a simple Farah case. It's a 951 case. Some people call it espionage light. I call it Farah on steroids but because they were taking direction. They weren't just rogue acting on behalf of the UAE. They were doing it under direction of the UAE. Also today, Tony Ornato. That's the senior Secret Service official who served as a top aide in Trump's White House and faced scrutiny from the January 6th Select Committee earlier this summer, has announced he's retiring. Ornato's role in the Trump White House made national headlines after explosive testimony by Cassidy Hutchinson who said he had briefed Trump and other White House officials about armed elements within Trump's rally crowd on the morning of January 6th. And also is the one who told her the story about him attacking the SUV driver. Although Ornato quickly signaled he was willing to testify in response to Hutchinson's account, he has yet to appear for a new interview with the Select Committee. And that's according to two people familiar with the discussions. When asked about the status of those discussions, Guglielmi said, we have continuously made Tony Ornato available. However, Now that he's a private citizen, he's no longer a federal employee. How convenient. And for our last story. Get ready for a surprise! A total recall has been issued by the publisher for the book 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza, as reported today by Nancy Levine. Excellent reporting. A spokesperson for Regnery Publishing, which is a, a who's who of bullshit election fraud theories, emailed her today about Dinesh D'Souza's book. Due to a publishing error, the publication date of 2,000 Mules has been postponed to October 25th, 2022. We look forward to publishing 2,000 Mules this fall, unquote. She asked what the publishing error was and if they'd reprint the books, but hasn't received word back. All right, we'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. This week on Spy Talk, we talk about Iran, its possible ties to the attack on Salman Rushdie, 
and other plots recently uncovered in the U.S. with Colin Clark, director of research at the Sufan Group. The Iranians are growing more brazen and more cavalier, in my opinion. And I don't know how much of that is tied into the negotiations over JCPOA and how much is just business as usual for Tehran. We also get an FBI veteran's take on the attacks and threats being made against the agency in the wake of the Mar-a-Lago search for classified documents. Any law enforcement officer discharging their duties legally and according to policy and statute, that needs to be respected. The rule of law needs to be respected. All coming up this week on the Spy Talk podcast, you'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jean Meserve. Join us. Woke AF Daily is your much-needed wake-up call in a weary world. Get woke with my bevy of special guests from the worlds of news and politics, arts, entertainment, and spirituality. Where else can you start the conversation on the latest headlines and end on the importance of rest and mindfulness? Where else can you hear a sitting member of Congress one day and a practicing yogi the next? Where else can you take in the world filtered through the powerful voice of a black queer woman? Where else but Woke AF Daily with me, Danielle Moody. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, idiots of the Senate, what the mutt, you want me to try to guess badly, probably, what... What uh, breeds are in your rescue pup? Misheard song lyrics, whoopee stories. If you have a whoopee story, I love whoopee stories. Halloween photos, it's almost Halloween again. So, hey, why not? I accept them all year, though. If you have running a small business, if you're creating something, if you're an artist and you're making something and you want a shout out, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. Good news for me today. Twitter finally verified my Mueller She Wrote account. <laughs> so now it's on to the Daily Beans to see if I can get that account verified. But uh, it's been a long time coming. I have been trying for a year at least. I've gotten nine rejections, I believe. But uh, something magical happened. And uh, this morning I woke up to that little blue check mark. So I'm a real boy. I'm very excited about that. And good news, bad news about the t-shirts. Again, I just wanted to reiterate this. The good news, a whole lot of you ordered the shirts. Most of those orders are on their way or have just arrived. Cool totally cool. Or at least it was. It would be totally cool if there wasn't this bit of bad news we discovered this morning. Pretty much all the shirts are going to be size small. The computer got confused, I guess, and decided no matter what size you ordered, it was going to send you a small shirt. And that is lovely third-party vendors at work. We're very sorry for this snafu. We're fixing it. We will send you the right size. If you were affected by the mix-up, please be patient. A replacement shirt will be sent to you. We're looking forward to seeing pictures of what you do with the wrong sized shirts. So you, I guess you kind of get a free small shirt. So, hey, silver lining, <laughs> you can give it to your dog. <laughs> well, all right, first up from Adam, pronouns he and him. Quick correction, I love you guys, but please, please, it's never backslash, except for things that don't matter, like file paths and Windows command lines. I know, Adam, I was going to say something, but I didn't want to. Pet tax attached. What the mutt? Our COVID dog adopted last summer, about 10 years old. He's the super duper best dog ever. Rescue older dogs, they need love too. Was it just me that noticed that Shark Week month on Discovery in July was followed by Schadenfreude month in the news? <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's see here. Let's look at this puppers. Oh my gosh. Okay. Pity, 
I see a little pibble in there. I see, I'm going to say chow because I always do because uh, chows are everywhere. Uh, looks a little like a healer, maybe. And maybe a shepherd. It's a very cute dog. Maybe a little greyhound or, or whippet. All right, let's check. Let's see what we got. Pitbull, Staffordshire Terrier, Jack Russell. <laughs> okay, way off. But I got the pibble. I got the pibble. So thank you. Thank you for sending that in. This dog is so cute. Uh, appreciate that. And thanks for the correction. Next up, Nico, pronouns he and him. Hello, my loves. So not writing today to Kvatch, even though I have a shitload to Kvatch about. I have some really cute kittens that need forever homes. I'm in Seneca, South Carolina. Luckily, I have only seen Lindsey Graham once, and it was when he still had a backbone and I was at work, so I couldn't chew him the fuck out. Anyways, I'm willing to drive a max of three hours one way to get these kittens a loving home. And I'm including one of my baby girl's cutest pics because I can't brag enough about my lily bean. Yep, it says that name on her paperwork. (laughs) When I hear your show intro, I can't help but sing lily bean, lily bean. Also, misheard news with swearing with newslets wear it. Wear news loud and proud, I guess. Anyways, love the fuck out of you both and behind the scenes crew as well. I'm proud to look like a nut to these drivers next to me while I talk back to you and laugh my ass off while still driving safely. Hugs and kisses and vote blue over Q. Nico, let's see this. <gasps> look at the kitties. Can I have them all? Can you just send, can you just ship them to me? I want the little black and white guy. <gasps> and, the, and the orange and white guy. Can I just, I'll take them. But I'm way more than three hours away from you. But look at these beautiful babies. <gasps> so, so beautiful. The marking on that calico tabby. Is, she's gorgeous. All right, so. Thank you for that. And then next up from Diane, pronouns she and her. Hi, Allison and Dana. The Daily Beans is my companion for morning coffee each morning. And the MSW Network has led to many other wonderful podcasts, such as Frangela. Thank you for creating such a wonderful world of news, humor, and entertainment. For more than 25 years, we've lived on two acres. Years ago, this area was farmland, which slowly turned into homes with large yards ranging from 1.5 to 50 acres. Across the road from our house is a small nine-acre pocket of woods with a stream and lots of wildlife. Thanks to vintage aerials, we know these trees were surrounded by fields in the late 1950s. So who knows how old some of these trees are? A few weeks ago, a for sale sign appeared across the road and the possibility of the destruction of the woods and all the creatures living there became very real. After a bit of discussion, my daughter and I find ourselves stumbling into a project to save the woods. If we succeed, the end goal is conservation and a land trust. I have spoken to a representative at a local land trust who admires our gumption but warned a tough road is ahead and might likely go nowhere so here we are with a goal of a small chance of success but doing nothing seems like a worse choice the choice of a pet tax is tough as we have a small herd of felines call our place home here's a collage of a few of our furry companions okay (laughs) this is a lot oh my goodness how many kitties do you have oh these are great i love the blep uh, the one, the the one with the the gray, the white bib, the long hair with the white bib and the gray with the with the yellow eyes. Those eyes are beautiful. These are all such beautiful kitties. Thank you for sharing. My goodness, already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine cats, and this is just a collage of some of them. Interesting. All right, next up from Yashu, pronouns he and him. Hi, Ag and crew. After two and a half years of waiting. 
and two reschedulings, I was finally able to take my oldest son, Zach, to his first concert. I took him to see Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Garden a few weeks ago. Oh, my God. Yashua, I've heard this was an incredible show. The tickets were the last thing I bought before COVID shut the world down, and the show was definitely worth waiting for. He's almost 17, and the two years gave him lots of time to get a better understanding of the lyrics, and in his words, it's surprising how relevant all this stuff still is today. Technically, this wasn't his first show per se. I work in the arts, so I've brought him to work with me, and he's watched plays from backstage or from a spotlight booth, but this was his first paid concert. It was a great bonding experience for the two of us, and he got to see his namesake lead singer go to town, even with a busted Achilles tendon. It was impressive all around. Note, by the way, your pictures of the concert did not upload. Please send them in. We would love to see pictures from the Rage show at Madison Square Garden. So please send those in to us. And thank you, everyone, for submitting your good news. I want all those kitties, by the way. Nico, (laughs) just put them on a plane. I don't know. (laughs) But thank you for sending all these uh, good news stories in. Please continue to do so. Dana will be back in a couple of days. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, You can send everything to me at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact and uh, follow me on Twitter at MullerSheWrote. I'm I'm verified now, so I'm legit. You don't have to worry about following an unlegit MullerSheWrote. So thank you very much, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. I've been AG, and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>